How are you doing? Well, good. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those of you watching in Duval and Issaquah as well. Uh, we are wrapping up this series, Home Improvement. And next week, I'm beginning a, a new series uh, called Greater Than. There's all sorts of greater than promises uh, in the Bible. Uh, we're going to look specifically at 1 John 4.4, 4, where it talks about how greater is God in us than what we face in the world. I think you're going to really enjoy that. We're going to carry that through Easter Sunday. But as we talk about relationships, we have to talk about communication. Have you ever said something to a boyfriend or girlfriend or a husband or wife? Hopefully you only have one of those. And uh, they heard something else. Ever have that experience? Yeah, we all have. Uh, I, I, someone sent me this one, uh, and this is what, what, a, what a woman uh, uh, says. So, I know you think I'm too jealous, but why should Karen get gifts all Valentine's week when you and I go back so much further? Can't you just play along with me? We could go dancing and at least watch The Bachelor. Is your whole heart used up by March Madness? And this is what a man hears. You should watch March Madness. <laughs> yeah, relationships uh, can be a little bit of a scary business, and especially when it comes to that broader ecosystem called the home. And today, we, we're still focusing on that, uh, but we're going to look a lot at relationships that would happen, uh, particularly between a husband and wife, although it could be extrapolated to other relationships uh, as well. And what I want to, though, first consider is God's charge to us when it comes to the whole family. There's a verse in Nehemiah. We did a study in Nehemiah for about uh, a month, and uh, I'm not going to do a, a deep study in that. What I want to look at, though, uh, is uh, move from content to the intent of what God has uh, in that book, especially one verse, Nehemiah uh, 4.14. The, the people of Israel are actually facing attack from the outside. There are people who are physically threatening them. They're ridiculing them for their efforts. Uh, they're trying to marginalize them when it comes to their faith. And uh, here's, uh, here's what we read. Uh, Nehemiah says, Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Now, in that case, it was a literal, a potential physical fight. But here's my goal today, is that we would move from fighting with our families to fighting for our families. And if you, if you get nothing else out of this whole message... That, uh, that the battle should move from fighting with to for, that can be a game changer in your relationships. Now, uh, here's, here's a problem, is that we often will think, you know, uh, it's just too late for me. We've been sort of down this road, and, and what has been is what's going to be. But it really can be different. In fact, I've talked with families for over 20 years as a pastor, and I found some common characteristics of families that really uh, not only make it, but thrive as well, and, and how we can fight for that. 
But uh, today, I don't want to do this message alone, and so uh, I am going to have my, my wife, she is going to share the message with me. I'll show you a picture of our family uh, here. Uh, that's me and my daughters, and this is obviously a selfie. And this is my wife. This reminds me of when I first saw my... We actually, I first saw her in church. Now, a pastor, that, you expect that, right? She was across the way, and I was just checking out her spiritual gifts. And uh, just saying, boy, she has a great walk with the Lord. And, so, yeah, well, you know, what, what starts is attraction, and then you can get in trouble like I just did, right? It's true. It's true. In fact, he thought he was being so cool and discreet. My friends all caught him. They totally knew what he was doing, so he was totally caught. But, you know, it, it all seemed to work out because here we are 22 years later, so it's all good. So we're going to look at, at what, what are we fighting first? And the first thing is? Uh, the first thing is outside influences. So Pastor Dave Nelson was here a couple weeks weekends ago, and he talked about kind of some of the, the positive outside influences for our family that are really good, especially when it came to our kids. But there are some not-so-great influences as well. Um, they can come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, um, come from different avenues along the way. Um, things like um, maybe peers of your kids that tempt them to do things maybe they ought not be doing. Um, it could be maybe colleagues or co-workers of a spouse that uh, try to lure them into things they ought not be doing as well. Um, and then it can even be, um, even in kind of religious circles, there are people that maybe want to um, propagate a way of faith that is really destructive or hurtful to, to our families as well. And, and I, I think for us it's been helping what outside influences are going to be in our lives, in our relationship, mm -hmm. and with our kids. You're going to have them, and they're going to be positive or negative, and just what are we choosing? We, by the way, are not one of, we don't try to cloister ourselves from the world and, you know, go live in the middle of Alaska mm -hmm. and stay away from people because of the big bad influences of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and if that's you, you scare me. <laughs> and I hope you left your gun in your car. Anyway, the, uh, but, but uh, we know that in the world where we live in, uh, we need other people to support us especially when it comes to uh, n number two. Which is our failures. Um, our failures really, I mean, we all have them. We know that unfortunately it happens, um, but they really don't have to define us. Um, we can fall into maybe patterns of behavior or just thought processes that are so destructive and we don't have to live there. We can, we can turn away from that. So failures is, is number B. And then there's also the spiritual battles. And I know for some people it can seem kind of, you know, wooey wooey, but honestly it's real. Um, in fact, I think before we came to church today, I think we might have seen a physical manifestation of Satan in our yeah. daughter. She was a little out of it, I'm telling yeah. you. Uh, not really, just teasing. But the, the spiritual battle thing is real. Um, it is, yeah, really. Oh, gosh. Anyway, that's a whole other message. Um, but, but there is the enemy of our souls. You know, Scripture really talks about that. And, and it says that really Satan, what he wants to do is come and steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the easiest targets for him is our family and our relationship. And when you say, okay, we were talking about a real-time example, a kid. Any of you ever have a kid act up? 
By the way, you know when it, you know when your kid always acts up, right? Right in the middle of Target when your growth group walks by, <laughs> and and you're like, you know, hey, don't judge me, and I won't judge you. Uh, but but I, when you say that at first in our marriage, when that would happen, when there'd be something, it would be our daughter's acting up. So what did you do, Terry? You know, and we would blame each, each other, other. Mm-hmm. instead of saying, and, and maybe even our child, it could be them. Uh, but maybe there's something bigger going on. Mm-hmm. And when we understood that, that was really a game changer uh, in our relationship. I, I think another area has been, uh, is selfishness. That's what we fight. Uh, you know, it's not all uh, demons behind every broken lock. Uh, but you, you, know, it's, you know how it sort of is? Uh, so we have, there's, there's people in a, in a marriage relationship. Some of you are like one towel people and some of you are like 10 towel people you know what I'm talking about like you use a towel once and you throw it in the wash and others of you are like this thing's good for 30 40 uses uh, and and the, the one towel people by the way think that person like there's a special place in hell for people like that and especially when they throw the towel on the floor ooh that <laughs> yeah, just really and so there's tension there there's uh, financial tension we talked about uh, finances uh, last week and by the way good to see so many of you came back and uh, but but there uh, that's something we worked out there can be uh, sexual tension you can feel the tension right there can't you <laughs> you know uh, so we, we've talked we were talking about this uh, right before we uh, got so uh, how, how do you know a man is in the mood? And, He's breathing. Yes, that's right. But the problem is, like, some men are in the mood in the morning, some in the evening, and you married someone who's in the mood every April. And, you know, and the, so there can be tensions that, and we, our selfishness uh, around that. There's responsibility tension. You think about uh, uh, Adam and Eve uh, the, in the Bible, uh, things go, go uh, astray, and the first thing they do is they blame each other. And, but the goal is not to fight with our family, but for our family. You know, I mean, I, I've done a lot of counseling with women. I've done um, a ton of growth groups with women. And here, across the board, what I think every woman wants is to know that they can trust you, that you will love me and you'll believe in me and you'll take care of me, you'll stand by me no matter what. And that's why awesome families learn to navigate tension. And the key to that is kind of coming up with a family structure or a grid that you can build your life around. And there's a few different ones that Ben and I uh, talked about, um, but let's look at Colossians 3 and kind of work from that. It says, if you look on your outline, uh, and whatever you do, whatever in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Now, as we look at that passage, you'll notice that uh, no one's left out. We got mom in there, we got dad in there, we got kids in there. Uh, Pretty much everybody's covered. And this is really in, in the context of the Colossian church, but honestly, it still applies very much to just our everyday life today. Um, and a big piece of this is figuring out how, as a family, you operate together and what works. And there's sort of the different types of structures. There's the, you know, the real old school, which we would call uh, the authoritarian structure. 
that someone calls the shots. Uh, uh, people would use who would uh, would use this verse, uh, Ephesians six one. Children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And there is some, you know, there's a time where the authoritarian structure is great. Uh, I remember when our kids were little, and I forgot what it was. It was something pretty big, and they said, "Well, can we take a vote?" And I'm like, "Ha ha ha ha! ha. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, the, this is a kingdom, king." Queen subjects, and uh, uh, but but really, when it comes to the roles of uh, husband and wife, th- this is really not th- that's not a biblical model. So I just want to take this off. That you know, some of you uh, you find people who are in abusive relationships, someone will be completely authoritarian. Uh, that's uh, that's not scriptural. So don't anyone let anyone misuse scripture uh, for that. There's there's a place for that in the home. There, there's a couple different kind of models that people have, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this in the, in the Christian context of how you structure uh, your home. Terry and I sort of uh, have talked a lot about this because she leans a little more one way myself the other. So why don't you go so to the first one? My way and the best way is the next one, and it's uh, <laughs> complementarian. Um, and kind of the root of that is complete or, or you complement each other. So you have, both of you are bringing really good things into the relationship, but when you both do it and are together, you, and then you have a great thing going. And so that's kind of where, where we probably fall more often. So the scripture that might be used in this is um, 1 Corinthians 11.3 that says, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So... Um, one of the things that Ben and I have kind of worked through is, you know, there's times in a relationship where, honestly, I'm going to be really believing we need to do this, and he's going to be really believing we need to do that. And no number of pro-con lists or great logical discussions and proofs are going to cause one or the other of us to change our minds. So we work, we, we've been at an impasse. And, and honestly, what we've chosen is I, I defer to Ben. You know, that somebody has to be responsible. Has that ever happened yet? No, yeah, just kidding. Well, the, uh, <laughs> but they videotaped this, by the way. The, uh, <laughs> cut that out, would you please? Uh, but really, I mean, somebody has to have bear the responsibility of the final decision. And uh, Ben gets that, that job. So, so I, I lean a little bit more in the egalitarian, which is another model. And by the way, good Christians can, can have these different models. Uh, like I say, as long as you stay away from the authoritarian, which is non-biblical. And that's more equal rule. Uh, and especially when it comes to ministry, I think that God gives gifts to everyone in ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you'll, verses like this would be used. In fact, uh, in the area of intimacy, it, it says, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other. Now, I know some of you guys just found a new memory verse. <laughs> and the, uh, <laughs> but uh, seriously, there's uh, the idea of, of mutual submission. And in Ephesians 5, where it talks about the roles before it does any of that, and by the way, the sections in the Bible, those were added later. Uh, so this really is part of it. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so that is the ultimate uh, model. And that's what we uh, will operate uh, really most of the time. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's turn a page and look at, um, no matter what your family structure is, there are certain essentials in any relationship. And the first one would be flexibility. Um, That is kind of a funny one that 
I'm the one that's talking about flexibility. Um, so I come from, as some of you have heard this already, I come from a big family. I have six brothers and four sisters. My mom and dad, they had to run that house like a well-oiled machine, you know, everything. There were a lot of processes and procedures, and uh, we had restaurant supply companies literally came and delivered our food every week because there were so many of us, you know, so they would just on the route, they'd stop by our house, and um, it, was a, it was crazy. It was long before, unfortunately, Costco was around. We could have really used Costco back then, I'm telling you. Um, and then in my educational background, I'm, I'm a math and science girl, so I have a degree in biology, so I love all those hard sciences, and um, then I worked with engineers for, gosh, well over a decade. So um, I love the the process and the procedure and the formula and that, I love that stuff. Um, and then I married Ben. <laughs> I do love my husband, I have to say, but we're a little different when it comes to this whole flexibility thing. Ben is definitely a guy who lives in the, um, the risk and the vision and what if we tried this and wow, we should do that and just think about what could be. And I pretty much am more of a reasonable realist. Is that a nice way That's of saying it? That's what we'll it? say. So the, uh, <laughs> but but uh, you, you, can, uh, you can take tests, you can go to counseling, you can do all that. Uh, but there is a level of flexibility uh, that no matter what structure of the family that, that everyone uh, needs. And it really gets uh, down to the question is what's my heart motive uh, even in, when there's a tension in the relationship? Is my heart motive to win? Is my heart motive to uh, bless the other person, even when they're wrong? And so as we approach Easter, no better time than to focus on the cross where we were wrong and Jesus paid the price. And uh, that is really uh, what, what leads. One of my favorite passages is Philippians 2, uh, 5 through 11. And, but the passage that precedes that really sets the tone. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. It's so clear, that verse, isn't it? How we're supposed to treat each other and live. And gosh, it's so hard to live out, especially with the people we're closest to. It's just hard. You know, like I said, Ben and I have been doing this marriage thing for over 20 years. And um, though I see such great strides, you know, you think about kind of those seasons you go through where you do better than others. And, and we are in such a good spot right now, um, just growing closer together. And really, our family's going well. And um, God's really done some pretty neat things, but there are still times along the way where we fail. And what do you do with that? Um, I read a passage like this sometimes, and what I want to do is, you know, hey, Ben, I, th I think I, I read this in my quiet time, but I'm pretty sure it was for you, Yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. And I think, you know, so, so, so some of you, when it comes to your family, you haven't had to fight for family, and God has just paved the way, and you've had great examples. And by the way, that's what we want for our kids. Uh, we're from the other end of the spectrum where we have had to fight for every inch of ground in our mm -hmm. relationship. But, but I would say that after uh, praying and 
showing love to each other and tens of thousands of dollars in counseling, <laughs> <laughs> that, that we've come to a place where we have momentum. And uh, it takes work to get momentum, but you can get momentum. But you can't skip this next one, which is forgiveness. Uh, and I don't believe that it's any mistake that in the same uh, book of the Bible, Ephesians, that talks the most about husband-wife and child relationships, that it says this in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So let's, let's think about this, this passage a little bit. So look, look at the kind of the big words there, compassionate. Uh, are we understanding, are we empathizing with each other? That's a big part of being compassionate. Forgive. We have to get rid of that scorecard that we hold. We have to, we have to get rid of that. And, uh, of course, the most important is just as Christ. Um, I don't have to figure this out on my own. That Jesus walks along with us in the middle of this. He helps us in the places where we fail and we don't do so well. Um, and he's our model. He, he, he modeled it perfectly. So if we're walking close with him, uh, it, man, it makes that process so much easier. It actually works. Yeah, and I think so, so you, you look at that is you look at, okay, I'm going to be flexible. We're going to be forgiving. And what that is great for reducing conflict and for helping you avoid a bad marriage and a bad family. But the next part, it doesn't seem spiritual, it's very spiritual, and that's number three, uh, fun, is that you have to have uh, some fun as a family. And here's why. You say, ah, oh, how deep is that spiritually? Really deep, because if you don't get it at home, someone's going to go look for it somewhere else. And I'm telling you, that happens most of the time. And so when I'm saying this is, I, I want to put a little heavy there because if you skip this, you're, I, I just had a conversation uh, this last week with someone. And it doesn't mean you're going to have the same fun I, I, that everyone else does as a family. Uh, you know, I, I read some, you know, something like Focus on the Family was a big family organization when we first got married. Mm -hmm. You have, if you want a good family, you have to go camping because every good Christian camps. And I've told you before, I'm not like, <laughs> I, like I don't spend money to pretend like I'm homeless. So the, uh, but, but I, I went and, you know, we went camping, and, but I was sick the first time. The only time oh, we gosh. ever tried to attend camping, I took a uh, NyQuil and it's like, you know, some is good, more is better. And because I was really sick, and so it was raining one of the times we were living in California, yep. and I put up a tent, and it rained on it, and I was, it, my family got completely <laughs> wet, and I was like knocked out completely. <laughs> uh, and they spent the, the night in the minivan. Yep. And after that, we came together and we just said, this is okay. Oh no, that's not what happened, is it? <laughs> no. That isn't quite it. <laughs> you know what we decided is that we were going to be our family. And that we were going to do what brought us joy in the Lord, as long as it's not sinful. Uh, I had to throw that in because I know some of you. <laughs> the, uh, but, uh, but, but we were going to do, like one of the things we do is every year we go to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we talk, like I said, you say, oh, well, we don't have the, I told you, we're pretty generous. 15% of our income, we, we're, we give that away. But we carve out that to go to Disneyland every year just because it's been one of those traditions uh, and that's fun for our family. There's other things we do. We uh, play uh, board games. Uh, some of you from a Baptist background won't like to hear we play <laughs> poker, but we do. Anyway, because uh, <laughs> I want to teach my kids the true values of life. No, we, but, but what we do is we found out what's fun for us in life-giving. 
uh, in the Lord. Truly, that's true. But uh, look at what it says in Solomon, who's the wisest man who ever lived. And by the way, in this book, Ecclesiastes, for a while he was like way off his meds. But he was struggling emotionally. Uh, and in the midst of that, he said, I commend the enjoyment of life. Uh, God created joy. Uh, God is the most joyful being in all the universe. Uh, and it says this when it comes to our relationship. Enjoy life uh, with your wife whom you love. So it's kind of interesting, guys. So um, you guys kind of serve as the thermostat in the home, which means you set the temperature. Um, and as weird as that is, it's, it's kind of by um, your attitudes and your reactions and your level of patience, um, all that just contributes to kind of setting the tone in the home. Um, women, we have a little bit of a difference. Yeah, sort of like the thermometer sure. sort of tells you, like you can tell if things have gotten really cold <laughs> and the, uh, or, or hot. And, uh, but this is a PG service. So, and uh, kids are really the mirror. Yeah. And, uh, Which that can be so scary. You know, when you see your kids reflecting back to you kind of the, the temperature that you've set or, or followed, um, that's, it, it, that can be really um, a rubber meets the road kind of moment. Um, when my kids were younger and maybe behaving in a way that wasn't, wasn't quite so great, um, you know, we had to confront that and, and deal with that. And um, I would usually blame it on Ben and say, look what you've taught them to do. Um, but really, I mean, they were watching us. And now, as they've kind of gotten closer to adulthood, you know, they tell us. Well, you, well, know? you know, you know, it's sort of an interesting conversation recently is, uh, and this is, is that one of our daughters said, uh, remember, and it was embarrassing, uh, when, you, when we were little and you and mom argued a lot. And that's, that's, not, what, that's not what the childhood memory, you know, you want. Uh, so in one sense, it was like, oh, what in the world? And I knew that I needed to, you know, like, say, God, just please forgive me and please control Terry's temper and, you know, all these things. <laughs> and the, uh, but, but, but the cool thing is I think for us, I thought the good part of it is she said when we were little. Mm -hmm. And that was a long time ago. Uh, and I know some of you, it's right now, but it doesn't need to stay uh, right now, either. Mm -hmm. And really, uh, the, the, the point that we uh, want to look at is really what this comes down to uh, is faithfulness. And, uh, you know, this is what you need no matter what your family structure, whether you say we're more egalitarian, we're more uh, complementary, it doesn't matter, is that we're going to remain faithful to one another. And you know when you can see faithfulness is when the other person has failed uh, you and how they respond. Uh, am I still going to be faithful? And you say, well, what's that like? That's like Jesus. So if you want to be like Jesus, you'll be faithful when you've been let down and when you've been disappointed. I mean, I think of like next week, what a great example is people are baptized. If you haven't been baptized, encourage you. We've got just a ton of people taking that step saying, you know what? I am made new in Jesus Christ. And on Easter weekend, where uh, Jesus made the first move for us. 
So let's take another turn. So the, the book of Ephesians talks a lot about roles and kind of the idea of mutual submission and how that really honors Christ in our relationships and in our marriages. And um, I'm not so sure, but um, since I'm such a math and science person, I know I can get really focused on the formula. So give me the, the eight steps and I'll follow those steps or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but when we look at Ephesians 5.31, it gives us a little different a different thing. Um, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Um, and sometimes, you know, we can get false information that maybe leads us down a road that's not so great for us, um, because it's kind of given some, some bad permission in a sense. Um, ben and I were at a conference in Dallas not too long ago, and um, we heard Shanti Feldhain. I don't know if any of you know her or not. She's been around for a while, Christian author. Um, and does some really neat, actually some great writing about just the differences between men and women and relationships and things like that. But she talked about kind of the, um, the statistics that were given about marriage and relationships that we all just hold as true. You know, like we've all heard kind of the 50% of all marriages fail. We've heard um, that most marriages that do stay together um, are nonetheless unhappy ones, or that um, Christians are just as likely to divorce as people who aren't Christ followers. Yeah, and uh, so she, by the way, she's not just a Christian writer. She, uh, she's a Harvard-educated uh, uh, researcher. And what she did is she, was, she, she said she'd use those statistics. And, and this is really where God's faithfulness and our faithfulness to God get in there and she dug deeper into the statistics because she had used those and this is in in her book the good news about marriage debunking and discouraging myths about marriage and divorce this is what she found out is the actual divorce rate uh, has never been 50 percent uh, and and what she describes is in the 70s and 80s when divorces were uh, increasing at an alarming rate uh, that they said if the trend line continues, it will be 50%. Uh, but in the last 20 years or so, uh, that has actually not only stopped, it's decreased. And that it used to be, well, Christians have the same divorce rate as non-Christians. Well, those who would say they're Christians, but if you take people who attend church at least two times a month, uh, the divorce rate is under 20%. And uh, so the, that people who are, by the way, that's not permission to just come twice a month. The, uh, uh, but the people who are active in their faith, they're still divorced, still pain of divorce. And I mean, 20% is still pretty high, uh, but it's 20%. It's not, it, it, and it's about half uh, what the rest, when, when people are faithful to God and they're faithful to each other, uh, there's something else going because then we say we're not fighting I'm not fighting against you uh, we're fighting for this relationship and not just a relationship that goes the distance because is really is really that's our goal is our goal to say hey let's have a family where we're miserable but we stay together amen <laughs> you know, are you excited uh, no it's to experience the joy and the peace and the security and the fact that where we model with each other the forgiveness mm -hmm. that Jesus uh, gives us uh, and that we can be in a life-giving relationship that's uplifting spiritually and hopefully as we 
submit ourselves to God, which is the ultimate structure uh, that he is glorified in every way. And glorified is sort of like a church word for me that we, we honor God. So here's what I want to do as we close out this series. And, and, and I've done this from time to time. Uh, if everyone will stand, and the campuses too, will you uh, stand? And, uh, that, and if you're here uh, with your spouse and you're married, uh, I know some of you, this is where this gets a little awkward, if you grab your spouse's hand, some of you, you say, I'd like her to be my spouse. <laughs> Let go of her hand. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, no. They, but but uh, I, I want to pray for us that, that we would say, God, we're, whatever the, the structure we're submitting to you, and uh, that we believe you, as we go into the next series, you are greater than. Will you pray with me?